Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are wrapping up our discussion of the Clone Wars as we're talking about the last four episodes of Season 6, Episodes 10, 11, 12, and 13. All that more after commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. My name is Matthew. As always, for these discussions of Clone Wars, I'm joined by Riki and Sarah Hayashi. How are you folks doing tonight? Hello. I cannot even pretend to muster enthusiasm at this point. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, this is a show that kind of ends with more of a, a, a whimper than a bang, although I think I mm-hmm. like these episodes quite a bit. Uh, and just a, a note for those who are confused, because there is a seventh season. Because the seventh season came out fairly recently, uh, Paul, another co-host of mine, and I already did a series of episodes on the seventh season of Clone Wars. I'll How post a link you. to them. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm sorry. And uh, I'd love to go back over them again, but because we have a lot we're trying to cover this year before we get into all the new content that's coming out, along with new content that's already coming out, uh, Bad Batch, which we will be recording episodes on every week, uh, we decided we're not going to do season sevens. So we're going to kind of, this is going to close out our time with the Clone Wars. We're going to then do a quick miniseries about General Grievous, Hopefully there'll be lots of coughing and lots of Kenobi. <laughs> and then we're going to get into Star Wars Rebels, which I know I think all three of us have been super excited to do. Mm-hmm. But let's kind of just start by diving right into this these last four episodes of Clone Wars. And I think this is a plot arc uh, that was very intentionally meant to be a transition into Return of... Uh, turn, a transition into Revenge of the Sith. And I'll give kind of a quick summary of it. It all starts with um, the the shuttle the the the, the ship of jedi master sifo Dyas being found on a moon orbiting the planet where the pikes are the pikes being one of the criminal conspiracies that we've interacted with a couple times and on the ship they find uh sifo Dyas's lightsaber so proof that he he was there and this starts this whole mystery of trying to figure out how did sifo Dyas die and why there are different understandings of it and over the course of the mystery, we come to learn uh, Saifu Dias in making the, the clone army was pretty much to some extent either influenced by or working with uh, Count Dooku and the Sith. And it raises a whole bunch of questions among the Jedi of, you know, did we has this whole thing been a dupe? Uh, has, have, has this whole thing been a terrible mistake? And how do we feel about the clones? And there's a lot of good discussion about that. And then as part of all of this, Yoda comes to, I think, especially understand that the council is maybe making some real mistakes and what what's happening here. And at this point, he is reached out to, and then we kind of start the, the second half of this arc, which is kind of his own story, but very much follows the first, which is he is contacted by Qui-Gon Jinn, uh, the force ghost of Qui-Gon Jinn. And we learn that this whole idea of force ghosts that was such a big part of the original trilogy is new to the Jedi, and it wasn't the power they knew they could have before. And because of that, there's a lot of the other Jedi not trusting Yoda and thinking that it's wrong, which is, I think there's some great commentary there that we'll get into. And Yoda kind of has to sneak out and goes off on his own with R2-D2, which raises a whole set of plot (laughs) questions that we'll get into, and winds up having very much kind of a, like, the master is now the student. And he has to challenge his own dark side and recognize his own hubris, and go through a bunch of other trials, some of which seem very, like, plot-important and significant, some of which seem deeply contrived. Uh, he faces his own inner demons, he faces his own darkness, and then he has to face Sidious and Dooku. He gets a lot of visions of what the future is going to hold, 
And then eventually he kind of, you know, is able to escape from all of it. And going back to Coruscant, heavy with the knowledge that, you know, terrible things are going to happen very soon. And scene. What's uh, what's your overall take on these arcs, this arc? They're very, they're very frustrating. Mm, I think that's so. the word I want to use. Um, because they they try to tie up all these loose ends. Mm-hmm. And, and in some cases, I think mistakes that have been yeah. made in Star Wars canon. And it's just kind of a very sloppy bow tie. So, so specifically, like, the character of Sifo TS, mm-hmm. originally, in the original script for Attack of the Clones, the, the um, Obi-Wan finds out about this, right, on Kamino when he follows Jango Fett. And the, right. the, the Kaminoans are like, yes, Jedi Master Sifo DS ordered this clone army for the Republic. And it's like, huh? What? Originally, in the script, that was supposed to be Sido Diaz. And that name may sound very similar to Sidious. Right. So it was supposed to be an <laughs> yeah. alias. And at some point, it's it's unclear like what story is true, but either they changed it purposefully, or somebody typoed and changed <laughs> the D to an F, and they just okay. kept it that way. And then they were like, "Oh well, it doesn't have to be Sidious; it could just actually be this Sifo DS that we just made up." Right. Wow. And it doesn't. It never made any sense. Yeah. That this Jedi ordered the clone army without anyone's knowledge. How did he pay for it? How was he going to pay for it? Um, yeah, I, I, I think I have a somewhat different take on that. and that, like, it, it probably was a mistake, but I think it actually kind of helps, especially the way they explain it here. But you're right. There's some there's a lot of sloppiness uh, in how they did this. And I, I think we'll definitely get into the side ideas of it all. Uh, but first, just for general impressions, Sarah, what, what's kind of your overall take on it? Uh, similar to Reiki, I mean, it did feel very... I mean, it was, right? Like, this was the end. Colors being canceled. This was going to be the last four episodes. So they did have to sort of rush in a a nice bow tie of an ending so that we can lead into Revenge of the Sith. And it definitely felt that way. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't... I was interested in the sifo stuff. I didn't really care too much for Yoda's extraordinary journey. Um, <laughs> That's fair. Just because, like... And I think you said something about how, like... Yoda was questioning the clones or something like that. And mm-hmm. I don't think, like, he didn't really seem to. Like, he was told, hey, this, I mean, we just fought Dooku. Turns out he's Darth Tyrannus. He right. said that sifo ordered this whole thing and that the clones are going to screw us over. And Yoda's just like, hmm, well, let's not do anything about that ever and also not tell anyone. Yeah, the yeah. Jedi knowing about all this makes makes their actions or non-actions worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think though that's why I like it, because to me it is very much like showing the fall of the Jedi in that regard, uh, especially since so much of it's about Yoda's hubris. It it goes past the point of believability for me, though, that's like fair. a lot of this does. For example, when Obi-Wan um, confronts Dooku on obadiah mm-hmm. and the like the pikes come out and they're like we're done dealing with you tyrannus and he's like you are the man known as tyrannus <laughs> like we've been doing this for six seasons yeah and you, you didn't figure that out 
I think I, I think a lot of the execution is definitely very sloppy. I think I think it's interesting. I think I liked these a lot more than you did because I thought some of the points they made were were really interesting. But but let, let's kind of get into it point by point. And I'll yeah. I'll start with the Cyphodia stuff because I he, here's what I got out of it. Granted, I've also read the novel Plagius Plagius, which goes more into like the backstory of Sidious, uh, Dooku, and uh, Cyphodius's relationship to each other. But I felt like one of the things that the second movie, uh, Attack of the Clones, leaves completely open is, and makes no sense of whatsoever, is Yoda and Obi-Wan discover that there's this clone army that no one ever ordered and is totally suspicious and makes no sense. But then they're like, you know, YOLO, we have this big battle, let's go ahead and use it. In this show, they introduced the idea that sifo had been a Jedi Master mm-hmm. and had been predicting many years ago that the Republic would need a massive army because a conflict like this was going to happen. And I felt like, like yes, it's somewhat clumsily done, but that, that did feel to me like it fil- filled in that gap somewhat because I, can, I can't understand the Council just saying like, oh, no idea where this army came from, let's use it. I can understand them saying, you know what, sifo was right. And he took these steps and we should have supported him. But even if he's gone now, he made this army for us. Let's use it. Like, it still feels like hard to understand they would do it. But to me, that's much more understandable. And like, I could understand that. But I think like where it it, it verges into unbelievability is when like uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan say like, hey, Tyrannus said that this is all like this is part of his plan. And like the, the army... Yeah, is going to backstab us, right? And like he said, he set this up, not Sifo Dias, or like he set this up, and Sifo Dias was working for him. And Yoda was just like, "Hmm, well, we have them now, so yeah, let's just not tell anybody." And I think there is like a way to address that with like, well, I mean, Dooku was obviously lying to you. We knew Sifo Dias for so long, and he would never lie to us like this, or like we are in the middle of a war and can't just withdraw all these clone troops from everywhere so like let's let's be on high alert but right, right to just be like hmm well it's probably it's probably let's just try and finish the war before their evil plan happens is yeah. like not a really amazing strategy there's a lot of sunk cost fallacy at work here mm-hmm. i was gonna use the term pot committed yeah <laughs> basically same idea. the same thing yeah. uh, and and i think i think for me the way it resonates i it resonated as stupid, but also as tragic. Because mm. Yoda does say, like, yeah, but, like, the clones maybe came from a bad origin. But but he says, like, but they've proven to be so trustworthy and, and important. To me, it really, it, it is tragic on two levels. One is because we've seen in the show that the relationship between the Jedi and the clones and the war and all of it is a big part of what's, like, not corrupting as in turning them to the dark side, but kind of, like, bringing about the fall of the Jedi. And of course, also that we know that the clones are literally who will kill the Jedi and turn on them. So it just mm-hmm. also has this tragic aspect of, you know, Yoda's so convinced um, that that yeah, but that, even that, that's a good thing. Even then, like ignoring previous information, right? Like because they they were talking about these suppressor chips that Sifo Dyas ordered a few episodes ago. Yeah. Right. And 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 uh, uh, 
Palpatine just was like, well, don't worry, we're going to give him vaccines for it. It'll be fine. And like, <laughs> they're just like, yeah, no, that, sure, that certainly won't be a problem. We did just have a clone kill a Jedi, but nah, yeah. let's not worry about that. Let's not also like tie that with the information that like maybe sifo DS, the dude who ordered these chips, could have been manipulated slash was in on this conspiracy, mm-hmm. right? It just, I don't know. It it, yeah. it it feels like the version I would have wanted to see play out is that the Jedi find all this out, and they say we have to stop this instead of we'll just ignore it yeah. or like hope for the best or whatever they do. The Jedi Council tries to stop it, but the Senate overrides them because the Senate like doesn't understand the Sith, right. and they're just like, like but we're we're winning the war. Senate. Like, yeah. why would we stop now? Yeah. Yeah, and then even when, like, Yoda was going on his, like, fantastic journey following the voice of Liam Neeson, which mm-hmm. is great. Like, I did I did love that they brought Liam Neeson back to be Qui-Gon Jinn. That yeah, was amazing. That, that was a great bit. Um, like, it, it did seem more like this inner struggle for for Yoda to, to seek this, like, forced ghost power. Like, he'd almost it seems forgotten about the whole like are the clones going to murder us bit right (laughs) that gets dropped pretty fast yeah i mean there are parts there are parts i like like this is how yoda finds dago finds Mm -hmm. out about dagova that's cool like that's something we've always wanted to know right and and the whole idea of the the dark side tree right um but other stuff like Yoda point blank asks Qui-Gon Ghost, hey, uh, so who's the Sith Lord? And and he just kind of like sidesteps it. Yeah. Like he, he knows, but yeah. 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 I guess here, here's the reason why Yoda and, and all the Jedi Council's activities here make sense to me. And this might be because I have an interesting insight or it might be I'm 100% projecting. I'm not sure. <laughs> but... When I look at the story, and I, I know this is a metaphor I've used before, but I, I felt kind of vindicated because Luke brings up this exact metaphor in Last Jedi, what I see is religious hierarchy. You know, the idea of a religious hierarchy being so interested in protecting itself and protecting its own image that it's willing to suppress information about possible threats, ignore possible threats, move things around in ways that put a lot of other people at risk because, again, the the fundamental urge is we cannot expose this dirty secret of, you know, the mistakes we've made would all have been impossible for me to believe until I watched the Catholic Church cover up of the sex abuse scandals. Mm -hmm. And I I don't... I I, I wonder if that was a, a little bit part of the thinking there because, to me, there are so many mirrors there of... And again, I'm not trying to make light of it in any way of what was obviously an incredibly serious, horrific scandal and, and a horrific situation. But when I, to me, that that's kind of the lens that I see it through of that this is a group that has for th- literally thousands of years had the entire galaxy look to them as the defenders of peace and justice. And everyone thinks of them as, you know, these these demigods almost. And we've seen in like the last couple of episodes, in the last couple of seasons, more and more of the Jedi realizing some of the people don't see us in that light anymore and our 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 mythology is fading and they're starting to see us as flawed and especially given that so much of the rest of the arc is about Yoda's hubris i i guess i find it hard to swallow and, and i hate i hate to see it but i guess that's why for me it makes sense that the jedi would act this way that it that isn't it is still within realm of credulity because of that idea of like 
they're just so focused on keeping their own majesty and respect in the eyes of the public that they're willing to kind of do anything to cover this up. I think that's <clears throat> I think that's believable. Mm-hmm. And if there had been more dialogue to support that point of view, I would be I feel like I would be more positive on this arc. But mm-hmm. it it just there wasn't like a conversation like that of the Jedi saying, well we we can't tell the chancellor or we can't tell the senate like this makes us look bad like you know we that we've been wrong this whole time. Instead, I, I think they specifically did say that. Didn't they specifically say, like, we can't let the public know what this will create a, a crisis in confidence, and that's why they justify keeping it secret? Yeah, okay, so at the very end? Yeah. I guess, I guess, uh, was it Mace? Did Mace say that? Yoda says it, and Mace kind of questions it a bit, but then he, Mace agrees. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I think that does make sense. It just, I don't know, it just felt like for most of it, the Jedi Council was just ignoring it mm-hmm. or just like pretending like it, it it didn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I think it's where we definitely see the inconsistencies of the writing, you know, that the Jedi care about it exactly as much as the plot demands they care yeah. about it for mm-hmm. that episode. Yeah. And I think like it's a really like I like your headcanon of it, Matthew. Like, yeah. I, th- <laughs> I, I like that interpretation. I wish I'd have seen more of that interpretation in the episode because I think it it totally makes sense. Yeah. I'll just say one other thing that to me really supports that idea is, and again, it, I'm, I'm projecting this whole lens because that's the lens through which I see something like the Jedi. And I don't want to let one line by Luke written in a movie 30 years later or 20 <laughs> years later, Last Jedi, kind of shape everything. But for me, also very significant is that Yoda basically has an experience that cannot be explained by the current understandings of the force that the Jedi have in that he is hearing these voices of the dead, which to the Jedi understanding cannot pop that that's can't be possible. And they immediately basically start wondering, like, is this because he's sick and getting old? Or is this because he is uh, influenced by the dark side? And there's just no room whatsoever for the possibility of maybe we don't know everything. Maybe there is some parts of the force that we don't understand and we should be open to new ideas. And to me, that's the entire history of religious heresy, you know, of like new ideas and new interpretations and new things happening and religious authorities going, nope, our authority only happens if we know everything. So we have to label that as sickness or possession or anything like that. There's a, a dialogue between Master Mundi and, and Yoda where I think like Master Mundi says, like, we don't know of anything like this ever happening. And then Yoda says, like, we don't know like not that we know of so far or something right. like that. Yeah, like that that scene exactly was a big part of what I was thinking of of Yoda sort of being like, "Wait, just cuz we don't know it doesn't mean it's not possible." Yeah, but I do like and I do feel like they were maybe too quick to dismiss the like what if Yoda is being manipulated by the dark side? Like mm-hmm. implying that because he's the oldest and the wisest, he's immune from corruption is right. like maybe not the again the safest bet to go with (laughs) right and i think like yoda encounters that himself right where he's like in one of the trials and they're like you have to face your fear and he's like oh i already i already did that i'm good i don't have any fear left next task and then of course it's exactly that hubris is the part of the dark side that he has to conquer and overcome so then we get like yoda having a prison break and i will say i like the idea that um 
the only one who can kind of appreciate what Yoda's coming from is Anakin. And <laughs> Yoda has a line where he says that he appreciates Anakin's spontaneity. Mm. And it kind of made me think that, like, you know, and, and so, like, Anakin obviously falls, but in some way is very much being praised for him not being, like, traditional Jedi McJedison. And another character who we've been told constantly, like, was spontaneous and went against the council and did all these things was Qui-Gon Jinn. And so to me, it's sort of set up an interesting, like, parallel of Qui-Gon Jinn, Yoda, and Anakin all being this, like, incredibly powerful Force users, but maybe that, like, therefore all three of them had the most danger of falling, and it's just that Anakin did and the other two didn't. Again, it seemed very, like, Yoda saying that he appreciated Anakin's spontaneity seemed to have, like, the asterisk of when it is working for me. Yes, I think it's very true. Like heavily implied, right? Like I need I need to flagrantly disregard the rules. Who should I call? Ah, yes, the person I'm constantly getting angry at for flagrantly disregarding the rules. Yeah. yeah. It seemed it seemed like he was BSing him. Yeah, that's also in that, in that like high school drama sort of way where like, oh, like I'll pretend to be your friend if you do this thing for me. Mm-hmm. That's that's fair, and Anakin is certainly very susceptible to that kind of thing. Yeah. And then he like lends him R two to go on his oh, wacky are adventure. We talk about R two starting the biggest plot. What R two does or doesn't know is, but like R two knows that, everything. There's a huge plot hole everywhere. But the fact that they specifically say at the end of the third movie, wipe the protocol's memory, droid, wipe the protocol droid's memory. So R two still remembers everything. When Luke was like, hey, we're going to go see this guy named Yoda. On Dagobah. On Piped Up. Yeah. Or when, like, R2's hanging out with Yoda and they're beating each other with sticks and they never acknowledge, like, oh, yeah, we went on, like, a big special adventure together. Yeah, it, it's R2. I don't know why they brought R2 on this mission. Yeah, it feels like it. he didn't. I guess Yoda needed a someone pilot? to talk to. But yeah, I, 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 I took it that he needed uh, an exposition machine. He needed a, a reason to be voicing his thoughts out loud. But just they don't even Qui-Gon. talk that much. They don't. Yeah. He leaves him behind most of the time. Yeah. And like, just have Qui-Gon chit-chat at him every once in a while. Yeah. Like, you've already, you've already paid for <clears throat> Liam Neeson. Yeah, it just opens up so many plot holes. And especially like when they meet each other on Dagobah and Yoda just starts like smashing him with a stick. It's like... My dude, I brought you here like 30 yeah. <laughs> years ago. Why are you being such a jerk about this? Yeah, it's there's a lot of ways in which things they introduce in the prequels make things happen in the original movies that make no sense. But I think the R2 is at the heart of quite a lot of them. They yeah. should just make an entire movie that is based around, around fixing this error by my, wiping R2's memory. No, you can't wipe R2's yeah. memory. <laughs> That's the Just best. like the same way Rogue One fixes the... The Death Star problem. Right. I mean, maybe and, the Bad Batch will have that. Like, if, if the Bad Batch kind of solved that, I wouldn't complain. But then why wouldn't Yoda recognize R2? He's old. He was already <laughs> old. Is, like, 900 really that different from 930? Well, yeah, like, em- Empire Yoda's definitely, like, gone past. He's kooky. The yeah, point. yeah. That's fair. P- plus, he's been alone, or I guess, talking to Qui-Gon's ghost for 20 years. Yeah. I mean, Yoda might also be that kind of, like, old like neo-luddite like all droids are the same kind of a thing um because he's just like eh, it's machinery i don't understand it see i um, totally would have bought that previously right because like why would he have any reason to recognize 
Anakin's astromech until it's like he brought you on this mystical journey. Yeah. And like that was really a like definitive point in Yoda's life. And also like Yoda calls him like my good friend on a couple of occasions to and then just be that like, That is also nah. him BSing. I guess. And, and even as I think about it, I'm pretty sure that when we had those droid episodes, like Yoda was one of the ones saying, like, you know, yes, even droids can be our loyal friends and stuff like that. So yeah, he's he's <laughs> It makes no sense, and I, I, I mean, like I said, I, I, I like these episodes more than you all did, but there's a lot of problems. The introduction of what should be like an entire season's worth of mythology to explore, mm-hmm. the living force versus the cosmic force, makes no sense whatsoever, and it's just yeah. tossed away. So, And I just hated them doub- doubling down on the midichlorians. Like, to me, oh that's gosh. the worst word that's ever been used in Star Wars. Yeah. Excise mm-hmm. it entirely. And instead, they go so much deeper on it here, and I hated it. Yeah, I agree. I I I agree. Like the reason I didn't like these is because I am someone who wants the force to be somewhat grounded in mm-hmm. reality. Like okay, like you can levitate objects and shoot lightning out of your hands, but but that's all that that could be explained somehow and we don't need an explanation, but it's like within the realm of possibility of fantasy, right? Whereas this episode Yoda goes to the center of the galaxy and meets like the Star Wars equivalent of the living tribunal mm. and like those four sisters with there the five of them five sisters with the with the masks yeah and they're like what are they like what's the explanation for this i have yeah. no idea and it just like goes so much so far beyond what we have previously been asked to understand the force to be and we yeah. already had the explanation of like the father and the daughter and son at the place with the stuff. This is not a great explanation. Do you guys know? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. As these sort of like religious figures within the like religion of the force. Right. And these, these sort of godlike entities to then mm-hmm. like also it's like, and also there are more. There's, yeah, like, the fates who all have different masks that are, like, sad or angry or or scared. And it was, there was just, like, yeah, so much tried to be crammed in. I felt like if there was a whole season exploring this, then I think I would have liked it a lot more. But it just felt too, like, rapid fire, here's a new thing, okay, now the next thing. Like, they had all these ideas, and instead of, like saying like okay maybe we have to relegate some of these to novels or like we're just going to trim down this story and only show one aspect of it they tried to like cram it all in at the very end yeah. i i think that's definitely true and i think it's it's one of those things where i think like like you said at the beginning Ricky, they're they're trying to fill in the gaps of the prequels and in some cases i think they do a good job and in others i think they just make it much worse um like to me to me i think the thing that really just makes no sense is yoda sees a, Yoda gets into a battle with Darth Sidious where he's hearing Sidious's voice mm-hmm. and Sidious has a hood up. And yeah. it, I mean, the show Arrow already had this problem and I hated it there. But it, there's a conceit in action, sci-fi, space fiction type things that if you have a hood in front of your face, you can have it far back enough that you can still see. But no matter how many crazy athletic things you do in a fight, it will never fall back enough that someone can recognize who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and that you, is nonsense. Yeah. And you just have to use the Batman voice. Yeah. And no one will recognize your voice. 
but but not even that but like yoda sees like so much of what happens he sees the jedi try to go and arrest the 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 sith leader even if he doesn't know who it is and all get slaughtered he sees the beginnings of like the clones turning on the jedi and it just doesn't work. Like if this was kind of like what happens in season seven, which I, I want to spoil anything, but like where it's set to be timed where Yoda gets this information and it's too late, mm-hmm. I could sort of buy it. But this all happens before revenge of the Sith. So Yoda's sitting in the council, knowing all this and never speaking up about it. And it just there to me, any believability falls completely apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's like, like there's a way to get it to be like okay, Yoda learns the powers of how to be a Force ghost and maybe has these visions, but is like when he um before he goes on this journey, he put him in like a sensory deprivation tank, mm-hmm. and he kind of like meditates into this realm with uh, Qui Gon Jinn's voice, who tells him that he must go to the Dagobah system, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and. Like, if they left it in that, like, in sort of, like, Yoda's in this meditative state and he's going on this journey, but it's, like, internal. He's not physically going to these places. Right. And, and like, even, like, this battle with Sidious, if it was, like, just one of these, like, um, visions or something like that, then the whole hood thing makes more sense. But, yeah, the fact that they had him, like, physically go there and do these things, I think, strips back that layer of believability because if you just have it as this sort of mental journey no right that that the battle itself was in his mind at the end with sidious doesn't he like send dooku that part was all yeah it was all very hand wavy like we're sort of gonna be in the same place and sort of not and it's all through the mystery of the force and none of this will make any sense yeah well i thought it was like a kylo and uh ray situation but no so what happens is sidious and and dooku are standing around that whatever the sith bowl of water mm-hmm. right the cauldron we'll call it the cauldron the sith cauldron because <laughs> they're basically like doing witch stuff mm-hmm. and then they like reach into yoda's mind and create that fantasy where yoda and anakin and the clones are going to mm. arrest Sidious and dooku at the cauldron yes and they're like right. what this was your idea why yeah. are you yeah okay because then at the end after after Yoda and Sidious are falling, they basically wake up. Oh, okay. Right. And Sidious is like, well, we failed to defeat yeah. Yoda in his mind. But if it seems like that it all doesn't make much sense, I I, I, mean, I think it's... It, 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 it kind of goes to what you were saying before about, like, they claim an explanation for it, but it doesn't fit anything else we know from before or after about how the Force does really yeah. work. Yeah. But he's it's actually, very much like... A, it's very much a like we're going to invent this power for the story and then never think about why it's never used in anything else or how it contradicts other things yeah and he does like he does actually like hop in the little vehicle and go to dagobah and then to like the center of the force in the universe yeah, and yeah, like that right. stuff's all real okay <clears throat> yeah and then like yeah. he also encounters okay is he for realsies encountering mark hamill as original sith lord at darth the tree? bane yeah yes okay so, oh, I didn't realize so, that was voiced by uh, Dar- Mark Hamill. That's Darth awesome. Hamill. Yes. <laughs> Yoda goes to the Sith planet. Yeah. And and that's where Sidious like reaches into his mind because he like senses it somehow. He's like, Yoda is at the Sith planet, so we right. can attack him now because like our powers are strong there or something. Okay. Reasons. 
Yeah. Again, okay. I, I don't think we need to spend too much time trying to explain it because it, I just Fair. don't think it's ever going to make sense. No, you know? we yeah. should just appreciate the action bits. The action bits yeah. with Sidious and Yoda fighting, I, I really enjoyed all that. Um, yeah. And there I was will... like a there was a nice moment where uh, Sidious says something to Yoda about Anakin. Right? He's like, he's the key to everything. Like, if you just let him die, then you will defeat me, or something like that. And he's just like telling the truth. Yeah. And Yoda has okay. This is also when Yoda encounters not real Ahsoka, right? And is like, and she's like telling him, yeah, "You, you, why, why did you act like make me make me leave the." Yeah, I, I mean, I think the idea is that those are kind of manif- those are kind of manifestations of yeah. Yoda's, Yoda's fears, and and honestly, I I really liked that part because mm-hmm. I think it speaks to, like, to me, I, I keep going back to what it shows about Yoda's hubris. Throughout every property, Yoda has always come across as like the wise old man on the mountain, you know. And I say that acknowledging that's a very problematic like term and trope, and that's kind of the point is that it's you know. He's unquestionable. He can do no wrong. Everyone is like, oh, if Yoda thinks this, then then of course it's fine. Hmm. And so to see that Yoda can make mistakes and to see that Yoda has all this hubris and to see that Yoda is carrying so much guilt about like, what did we do wrong? And were we wrong to, to send off Ahsoka? And all these times when, you know, to me, there's a powerful metaphor there of Yoda often thinks the council is wrong, but he stays silent. And like, hmm. what, you know, how does he feel about that? Um to me, it gave him a lot more character in ways that I did really appreciate, even if the the way it got there was sloppy as hell. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I like that Ahsoka moment. I also like speaking of battles, going back to the um, Obi Wan and Anakin go to visit the Pikes part at the beginning of this. I really liked their battle with Dooku yeah. slash Tyrannus, and I think like especially. His fighting style, where he's fighting them both with one arm behind his back, is just like... Dooku's, you mean? Dooku, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, he... So, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin have gone into this prison cell where the, like, attaché of the former uh, chancellor right, the was being held. Silman. Yeah. Chancellor Velorum, if you're Tin Curry, Velorum, if you're anyone else, because <laughs> yeah. uh, he was sent with Sifo Dias on this mission, and the Pikes captured him and have been keeping him in this prison, and he is not in a great state because he's been in prison for a very long time. Ten all by years. Yeah, a decade talking to his little grub friends. That'll do something to a person. But uh, so Anakin and Obi Wan are like chit chatting with him. Meanwhile, Dooku, like they find out that. Anakin and that the Jedi basically are investigating Sifo Dias. Um, so Dooku is sent there and he's like marching up through the prison and like encounters him at the cell. And like Anakin comes out first, and like Dooku does this sort of like parry move and then kind of stands and waits at the door for Obi Wan to come mm-hmm. out to like almost in this like preemptive stance knowing exactly where obi-wan's gonna hit him so he can like parry that move it was just like these little moments like that which i think were like super super brilliant and really illustrated like what an absolute powerhouse of a like duelist dooku is yeah to me those moments were bittersweet because it's kind of the same reason why i'm very nervous about this upcoming kenobi show that hayden christensen could be back in and apparently we're gonna get the rematch that everyone wanted even though i Maybe everyone else did. I really don't what? want. Um, 
rematch. Yeah, in the Kenobi show, we're going to get a rematch between Darth Vader and Kenobi that apparently, according to Kathleen Kennedy, everyone wants. Which no, no, no. nobody but, wants that. Well, and to me, the reason I don't want it is the same reason I don't want here. You know, at the end of the second movie, Attack of the Clones, Kenobi and uh, Anakin try to fight Dooku, and Kenobi is like, "Let's do this together." And Anakin's like, "No, no, no, I got this." Rushes in and gets his butt kicked. And so then in the third movie, when they fight it, Anakin like makes a comment about like, no, this time I will do better. And so to me, part of that means is that the two of them can't have fought Dooku together again in mm. between those two. Um, and you know, it's again, it's a small mm. thing, but it's one of those things where it's like, if you set up the idea of like, this is the next time it happens, don't, don't put things in the middle, you know? That's and fair. That, that's a kind of larger complaint to have prequels in general, but I just, I, it really... I'm glad people really enjoyed those fight scenes. I, I just couldn't see them because I was so annoyed. Like, this isn't supposed to happen yet. Yeah, that makes sense. Having not seen, uh, well, I guess we, like, we watched Phantom Menace, but I haven't seen the other two prequels in probably a decade. That's super um, fair. So I did not remember that. <laughs> super um, fair. Yeah. I also like the pikes a lot. I think the pikes are great. I'm glad we got to see yeah. them one last time. Yeah, they're fun. I, I like and I like them not being just like cartoon cutout villains. Like they clearly are, you know, criminals and doing their own thing, but they have their own agenda and they, you know, are like, hey, we think we're being screwed over by the Sith, so maybe mm-hmm. we'll work with you, Jedi. Um, their <laughs> negotiation also- tactics of I'm going to take you right up to the secret thing, show you the secret thing, and then try to negotiate with you of what you'll do if I show you the secret thing is not good negotiating tactics, but yeah. I do like their characters for the most part. In his defense, he's very high yeah. on spice. Oh, on spice. Yeah, very also their, their battle strategy of, uh, there's our enemy now, let's get him. Also, our the rest of our army and our new allies are standing right behind him, but it's okay, just fire blindly in that direction. <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't make much sense. I mean, well, they're high on spice, it's fine. There we go. <laughs> he dies, though. Yeah, the what's a minister? Lim? Minister Lom. Lom, yeah. Du- Duku kills him. Yeah, yeah. Duku stone cold. Yeah. yeah, he just comes in, murders Silman. Does a backflip onto Lom. a ship. He doesn't do a backflip. He just stamp, just stamp. He, he does. Yeah, he does right. the step off the ledge. Yeah, right. kind of like the Clock King in the Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good boy. Which uh, I I commented when we watched it to Riki that that was like the biggest middle finger, and it was. <laughs> It's like yeah. it was great. It was a lovely moment. I yeah. If you are if you are ever in a fight and you are looking to escape, just like step off a ledge, casually step off a ledge yeah. onto a, a vehicle that you have prepared, and then have that vehicle like yeah. levitate over the fight and just be like, it's one of the coolest things you can do. In yeah, a fight. yeah. I mean, knowing that that physical vehicle is there is an essential part, as well as being able to violate every law of physics that says that every bone in his leg should be shattered. Um, he yeah, so if you can do those things, it's yeah. awesome. It's great. I think like Aladdin does it as like a power move when Jasmine mm. rejects uh, the dances. It happens a lot. It happens <laughs> in uh, Back to the Future 2. Marty does it with Biff because the DeLorean is hovering oh, right, yeah, that's right, right below. It's a proud tradition of stepping off building yeah. onto waiting vehicles. There you go. There you go. A couple just last things. Um, you brought it up before. Darth Bane is this, is a character from the, the Legends canon, not this is the only time he's ever mentioned the official canon. Um, and it is a fun little scene, and Mark Hamill is great. I didn't realize it was Mark Hamill because he's just an amazing voice actor. Mm. You can never tell. 
but I felt like for such a pivotal character, as well as it's discussing, like, I am the creator of the rule of two, and we have all these questions about, like, whether Sidious is or is not honoring the rule of two, none of which are discussed. I just felt like that was such a waste of just, mm-hmm. like, let's do fan service, let's throw in this character now that we're just about done, instead of, like, really give, like, to me, if you're going to bring the, like, ghost of Darth Bane in, that should be a whole, like, half half season arc on its own. <laughs> I yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah. It feels like super crammed in there with everything else. I'm like, oh gosh, we wanted to bring in Darth Bane. Ah, here he is. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. One does not simply mention Darth Bane once. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was super cool. Um, can I can I mention one more thing I liked before? Yeah, go for it. I, I have one more thing that I really liked, and then we can like. But you always go ahead too. Ooh, maybe it's the same thing. Um, I really liked how we got to see the sort of more religious entity aspects of the Jedi Council. Because mm-hmm. we really yeah. have only ever seen them as like a political body. Um, but to see them like talking to Yoda and Yoda's like, I've been hearing voices and it says that it's Qui-Gon. That's not right, right? Um, why don't you all meditate with me and we're going to see if we can hear anything. And so then they all like come together and have this like group meditation and there's like visions of like sort of the city which presumably they're all seeing like in their mind's eye um and like having this moment of like spirituality and connection with the forest was really nice yeah um i really yeah i really liked how they portrayed that yeah i mean i I, i've talked all episode about how much i like the sort of connections with religious hierarchy so yeah i thought that was a really nice way of kind of underlining that Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I like the, the the sort of visuals of, like, the flashing cityscapes reminded me of, like, when Rey was sort of reaching out for the Force in The Last Jedi, and we had those, like, right. flashing naturescapes. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the thing that, that really resonated with me, and here again, I have no idea if this is entirely intentional or if this is, you know, a stopped, stopped watch being right twice. There's a... There, when, when Yoda confronts his hubris... And it was literally his dark side. And he, you know, as you said, Sarah, there's this moment where he's like, I, I don't, I need, I know everything I need to know. There's nothing you can teach me. And that itself is the hubris. And like, it's being challenged in such an important way. And it opens his mind remembering that like, he can be a student again, not just a master, that you have to be both. And there's a moment where he's confronting that inner darkness in this kind of, um, you know, it's basically like, a Yoda-shaped figure that's all in, like, black and looking ghost and shadowy. Um, it's his golem. <laughs> yeah, it's his golem. And it's, I will say it's voiced by by the same person doing Yoda, but with an attempt to be kind of like, ha which is great, except sometimes it sounds like Grover, which took me out of it somewhat. <laughs> oh, no. but, but here's the part that I loved, is Yoda starts by saying, like, no, you're not part of me. Mm-hmm. I'm denying you. And then later on in the fight, like, when he's he's losing the fight in part because he won't acknowledge that and part of what gives him the strength to sort of overcome it and the moment he takes back control he says and i'm going to give the exact quote part of me you are so he's, he's acknowledging it now but power over me you have not through patience and training it is i who control you control over me you have not and again this might be intentional it might be 100 percent me projecting For me, that really spoke to me because that's how a lot of people who've gone through trauma and myself very much included and the therapy that's often involved think about and and often the way I relate to the mental illness that I deal with, you know, in terms of like 
there's this whole idea of like you know the not the literal voices but just kind of like the the negative thoughts and stuff like that being are they the driver of the bus or are they the passenger in the bus because you may never be able to get rid of them and for me there was such a breakthrough moment of realizing like the moments where I'm feeling like, oh, everyone hates me. You said that terrible joke. You're you're awful. Or, you know, I can't believe you did that terrible thing. You're such a screw up. Like, I'm probably never going to get rid of that entirely. It's probably always going to be with me. But it no longer has control over me. And that's, for me, the real journey of, like, mental health healing. And so many others that I've talked to and, and, and read about, that's often that step of, like, not trying to think that it's never, that it's not you or that it's from outside or that I can get rid of it. But understanding, like, yeah, that is a part of who you are. And maybe sometimes hearing that voice of doubt is a good thing, but it doesn't have to control you. Um, so for me, I just I just found that line and that whole scene incredibly powerful. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I, I suffer from major clinical depression. And I think, like, finally seeing a therapist who said, like, you're always going to have depression. Like, it's never something right. that's going to be you're, you're going to be able to cure yourself from. It's just like whether... Like you were saying, it's it's going to be the driver or the passenger of the bus. Like, that's that's what you can get to. And I, I totally agree. And this idea of even Yoda trying to force it out, this this idea of like, oh, my fear, I've conquered you, I've dealt with you, you're not a part of me, you're my dark side, goodbye, is just so dangerous in this idea that you think that you've conquered it. And yeah, mm-hmm. like by welcoming it back in and saying like, okay, I know you're a part of me, but I'm the one who's in control here does make right. him more powerful yeah like I, com- I completely agree with what you're saying matthew ricky's making a face hmm. okay <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know i can never tell if this is like contemplative face or zone i am face. contemplating yeah i mean i think i think what you said matthew is um very very touching and it's it's definitely true that a lot of a lot of properties talk about you know dark sides in people mm-hmm. right and and whether you're supposed to abolish them or acknowledge them, I guess, is the best way to put it. And I think the best stories acknowledge them, right? Yeah. Because you, if you try to suppress it, like, that's what leads to more darkness. And, yeah. for example, like, the Green Lantern mythos is not about not having fear, but it's about acknowledging your fear and being able to overcome it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, no, and I... so there's like a lot of there's a lot of stuff like that, and I think those are the best stories. Yeah, and and honestly, it's part of why I think there's some truth there as well about the whole sort of Uber story that we've had is that because the Jedi are very much of that idea of just deny your dark side, yeah. just deny mm-hmm. your jealousy, deny your desires. That you know, Anakin's that person who never heard. You know, he he wanted people to talk to about this and they just shut him out. And so, of course, Sidious is the only one who could talk to him about it. And I think some of the characters I'm most fascinated by are the people who are, like, not villains as Force users, but are no longer held in by these constraints of the Jedi. And some of them call themselves Jedi, and, and uh, like some characters in Star Wars Rebels, and, and some very much don't, like Ahsoka. And I think I'm really drawn now to these stories of Jedi who are like, well, yeah, maybe... Some of my, like, I think I, I talked about in a, uh, when we all talked about Last Jedi that I was really struck by Ray's angry for most of that movie. You know, she's doing all the things that we're always told, like, that's dark side. The Jedi are not. And clearly part of her arc is being a little bit tempted by the dark side. But that also, like, the people who think, oh, you, you can't ever have thoughts of the dark side are wrong. That they can be a part of who she is as a powerful force user. So, yeah. She's, yeah. Go ahead. she's not tempted by the dark side. It's genetic. 
Yeah. Oh, gosh. No. no. Boo. No. Boo. <laughs> um, I was going to say that like it reminds me a lot of like parents who don't let their teens go to parties. Yeah. Because it's like their your your teen is gonna go to a party, and whether they're going to a party and know that they can like call you and have a safe ride home, or they're going to a party and are afraid to call you if stuff starts going down, like mm-hmm. that's the difference. And I feel like yeah, Anakin's going to this party and doesn't have anybody to call for a safe ride home. Yeah, I think that's true. Like when I used to teach, uh, like talk to like advocate for why sex ed was important it was that exact same mm-hmm. thing like look people are going to want to learn this and either you teach it to them or you know they're going to learn it from the internet and stuff like that and yeah Ugh. now a lot yeah. of stuff on the internet's pretty good and a lot of it's pretty awful um, yeah <laughs> so I, I think that's about all we can say about these episodes and i, I don't want to go too long but this is our our final clone wars episodes before we dive into some other properties and so i kind of just give it a thought a chance for all of us to like just, you know reflect a bit about like what what's your kind of overall feeling on the Clone Wars, and especially after now we've we've analyzed all of it? I guess I'll start by saying that uh, I was on the second watch. I'm disappointed by how little grievous there was. Yeah, <laughs> is it a grievous error? Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't know. He's he's just one of my favorite things in That's Star fair. Wars. The the way he fights, the way he moves, it's just so unique. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why I'm I'm glad we found that there was this uh, uh, Grievous miniseries yeah. that we can watch. So that should be fun. Yeah, um, I I really liked it. I, th- I still think the seventh season is maybe the best season. So if you're like listening along with us and haven't watched the seventh season yet, my goodness, go go watch yeah. that and listen to the episodes of, of Matthew and Paul talking about it. Um, but yeah, it's I mean. I think it's just really great to get more Star Wars stories, and even if some of them weren't. The, the best there were lots of like really good moments lots of fun characters hondo and cad bane um and this exploration of like the clones and the sort of nature versus nurture idea of who you are and what you're meant to be I think mm-hmm. has been a really really fun exploration yeah everything with maul was fantastic oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah he is also one of the best characters going on i'm so yeah. glad they brought him back mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because I always felt like we didn't get enough of him in Phantom Menace, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, he was like, looked cool and then got cut in half. Yeah. yeah. And I I think that's a good way of saying it. It's funny when you do, for me, a lot of this experience of going through it with you two, which I've, I've really enjoyed. I'm so glad you agreed to do this. It's been a really interesting exploration for me of the way memory shapes the way I, I the way like our ideas about something shape the way I remember them. Because... I think what I took away from the series is that the execution of it was all over the map and sometimes was brilliant and sometimes was absolutely not, but that it did fill in a lot of gaps in the universe. And I feel like my overall knowledge and understanding of and love of Star Wars, honestly, is deeply informed by these stories. And especially now that like characters like Ahsoka, who comes from this, are are coming onto on screen and so many of these stories are being retold and, and brought back on screen. I feel like I'm so glad I got to rewatch it. But it's also funny because I think I, I, I would always say like, yeah, there's some good parts and some bad parts. I honestly probably had forgotten how bad some of the bad parts were <laughs> and how inconsistent a lot of it is, you know, because I think I kind of got into a mindset of like, oh, it gets better in the last seasons. And I think overall seasons four, four and five, especially five, are... Very, very good. Much better than seasons one and two. And three is kind of in the middle. 
But, you know, even season five had some absolute dreck of episodes along with some very, very good ones. So Droids. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we get a season six, which is, you know, we know there's production issues and all kinds of stuff. And it's, you know, kind of hard to understand. But, but yeah, I, I just, I'm really glad we got to do it. I, um, I hope for the listeners that this either gave you a chance to, to remember things you love or even more so to, if you haven't seen these, if you haven't seen these, I hope we really give you a chance to to learn about what was important and to learn the the big deals and and to give you sort of better grounding because I think with an Ahsoka story with a Kenobi story where we'll probably have a lot of his story from these these this show this is gonna the the Clone Wars is gonna become much more front and center in the Star Wars universe and so I'm just glad we got to go back over it I hope people really got a lot out of it yeah I'm I'm hyped for Rebels like looking forward um, I. Yeah, I I love Rebels so so much, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah, and I'm glad that I mean I didn't even mention it, but the the next content we're getting in literally just a couple weeks, uh, starting on May fourth, is going to be very much an extension of Clone Wars. It's the Bad Batch who are oh, yeah. introduced in season seven and in, in a great set of episodes, but also I mean it's very much about clones, you know, and so I think that's that's going to be very grounded in this Clone War Clone Wars world. Hmm. And, and yeah, you should also. If you want to learn about kind of <clears throat> the background of the clones and the Bad Batch, you should also watch the beginning of season three, I mm. believe it was, where we meet the clone 99, mm. right? who they are named after. Yeah, they are Strike Force 99, I think, or Force 99. Mm, yeah, because he's also a Bad Batch in that he's also a yeah. sort of defective clone. It's just that his defects aren't like better for combat. Yeah, his yeah. defects <laughs> don't give him a superpower. Yeah. Which is always a kind of like, I love the X-Men. I don't quite understand why if genetics are going to cause us, cause mutations, every single one of the mutations that comes up is useful in combat. Um, but, you know, that's another story entirely. There probably is a story of like yeah. mutants who just like do things that aren't useful. Right. There's okay. got to be. Someone yeah. has written that. Yeah. Hit yeah. us up. Let us know. It's a mutant Definitely. who can just like summon pizzas. That's like... Yeah. Ooh, that's, I mean, that's, that's useful. That'd be useful, yeah. I mean, yeah, but not in a combat situation. I don't think. I don't know. I, I mean, your enemies are lactose intolerant. I guess it takes an hour or so to kick in. But um... anyway, Mag- Magneto and his hideout is like, who keeps ordering these pizzas? <laughs> yeah, you know, you ruin their credit rating. Like, there's all kind of things to do. Delightful. Um, anyway, now that we're getting quite into the punch talk section of this, uh, Ricky, Sarah, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a great adventure going all these shows. To our fans, what do you all think? Um, I really especially love to hear from folks who haven't seen the shows and kind of curious, like, what did you get out of kind of our, our retake of it? And, and how are you feeling now about the Clone Wars stories coming back into things? But also for folks who, who know these shows and love these shows, would love to hear what you all think. You know, let us know what you think. Agree, disagree on these last episodes or just the Clone Wars in general. Uh, all the contact information you can find by going to theethicalpanda.com. That'll give you links to our Facebook, our Twitter, our email. Uh, and as I said, I also do a lot of podcasting under... Uh, under that name, The Ethical Panda, and that's also where you'll find information about my other podcast, Superhero Ethics. We've been doing a ton of content on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is just, I mean, it is some of those ethically rich and morality and justice rich uh, shows that I've ever seen. Uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic show, definitely worth watching and, and so much to bring up. And I don't think we barely scratched the surface, but I think we, there's a lot there that we get into. Um, and also I'd really advise, I mean, for that one, especially go listen to other creators as well, especially creators from a lot of different backgrounds, because there's so many good perspectives on that one that are important. Uh, but also, uh, all these podcasts are part of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network, where you'll find a lot of other great podcasts. Um, 
things that the way we go deep on Star Wars, they go deep on the MCU, the DC Universe, Star Trek. Uh, there's a podcast now that's gotten started called Animation Deliberation, which is just going into animation. And uh, we're doing actually teaming up with them for Bad Batch since it's both Star Wars and animated. Lots of great stuff there. Check it all out at strandedpanda.com. So, Ricky, Sarah, thank you so much to all of you fans and listeners. Thank you all so much and have a great day. Kenobi. <coughs> 